Hi, everybody. You are listening to The Wildlife, a show about the natural world and how to protect it. I'm Devin Boker, your host. And today is a behind the sciences segment with elephant expert Lynn Von Hagen. She's a conservation biologist and presidential research fellow at Auburn University, conducting collaborative research in the Savo ecosystem of Kenya. She studies African elephant behavior, movement, and the development of community-based coexistence strategies that reduce elephant and human conflicts, among a bunch of other things. Back when I spoke to her, she was stateside on account of COVID at her home in Nashville, Tennessee, where she lives with her husband and two cats. Now, she's back in Kenya doing field work. Lynn is a proud advocate for women and diversity in STEM and non-traditional students, and is expecting to complete her dissertation in 2022. You can follow her on Twitter at LynnVonHagen1, or check out her website, LynnVonHagen.com. But enough from me. Let's get to know Lynn by talking to Lynn. Um, have you always been interested in science? Um, you know, that's kind of uh, an interesting question because, you know, growing up, I was super curious about everything, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't really get into science until I was in high school. And I was just kind of obsessed uh, with, you know, the environmental movement and everything like that. And I really didn't, I really, for some reason, didn't get guided towards science as a career path um, Mm -hmm. in a different direction and actually came back to science, you know, probably 20 years later than most. So I'm actually a non-traditional student um, and I'm kind of, you know, finally got to realize that my, my niche is definitely science. Um, So now, you know, I can't get enough of it. Um, So in my twenties too, I also started getting a lot more, you know, outdoors and into nature. So Mm -hmm. that, really helped kind of fuel uh, that passion for conservation and getting to see, see and do things outside. Yeah. Very cool. And what was your first real connection to nature that you remember? I know for a lot of people that's like, it was probably before they had memories, <laughs> mm-hmm. but what's the first that you can remember? Well, you know, I grew up in a, in a family that was not uh, very outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really didn't do camping and hiking or anything like that. So um, I do remember like getting out on the lake and things with my parents uh, sure. when I was young and enjoying seeing all the different birds and things like that. But um, again, like I really didn't make that connection to nature until I was in my, you know, late teens or early 20s and started hiking the Appalachian Trail and things like that. What advice would you give a younger you for, for being in this field? Oh gosh, start earlier. (laughs) Um, You know, for me, I came to uh, conservation and my education very late. So Mm -hmm. I would, um, you know, which was kind of unusual because I really um, was into the environmental movement in the, in the nineties. So it should have been a natural connection and progression. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's kind of a lesson too, for a lot of people, uh, you know, especially women that uh, see fields that they think that they're not good enough to do, or mm-hmm. perhaps they're, you know, underqualified for. Um, I think my my intuition was, um, well, that's going to be too hard. That science, there's not a lot of women in that field. Yeah. Um, and of course, I realized much later that that was, you know, completely not true. Um, so uh, yeah, I definitely I would I would go back and and start on this career path much much earlier. No, I, that's a, uh, that's some good advice. And some of our conversations lately where we've talked a lot about, um, 
exclusion and, and how that kind of manifests itself in STEM. And yeah. one of the one of the elements that seem to pretty consistently pop up is there are sometimes overt, uh, you know, elements of exclusion, you know, very mm-hmm. obvious, clear, you know, visible, visceral, overt acts of exclusion. And then there's a lot of covert exclusion that's that's mm-hmm. so cultural and deeply ingrained in just how we perceive different career paths and and um you know it's it's been built that way but it's just interesting to to think about how that how that plays out and and how to get past yeah definitely uh especially you know in school systems and of course you know mine was you know from quite a bit longer ago um when you know females didn't traditionally have these roles in Mm -hmm. science and of course that is um increased exponentially which is wonderful but Mm -hmm. you know in the you know, 80s and 90s, you know, there, I'm sure there weren't a lot of guidance counselors saying you should be a scientist because you have <laughs> these interests. Um, yeah. It just wasn't, you know, a female dominated field. Um, and mm-hmm. thankfully, that's, that's changed a lot. You know, and the same thing with, um, you know, there's been many studies that have shown uh, that, you know, people of color have also uh, been steered away from careers yeah. in STEM. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things I'm really interested in is helping to show that STEM fields are for everyone. Everyone is welcome and, you know, really pushing people that if that's an interest, you, there's, there should be no barriers to you yeah. being able to pursue that. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're about to. So <laughs> it's good. When did you, uh, when did you decide on African elephants? Well, um, I have loved elephants since I was a kid. I have a picture hanging on my wall of elephants and none of my family or myself knows where it came from. So apparently I was fascinated um, by them since I was a child. So that was always my dream animal uh, to work with. And then uh, when I finished my undergrad, I was looking for a position for my master's and uh, you know, a friend of a friend knew someone at Western Kentucky University, um, which was Dr. Bruce Schulte. Um, he's been working with elephants for 20 years. He's an amazing, a brilliant mentor, and uh, he had a position in his lab. So I went from, you know, not really knowing which direction to go next with my career to you'll be going to Africa in four months and spending several months there working with elephants. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I could not have been happier to be able to be a part of um, this ongoing project since 2016. That's super, super neat. It really is. Ele- elephants, I'm, I've had a very long obsession with and then um i don't know i think i think it's in part because we realized we were getting super mammal heavy with a lot of our episodes we we were kind of like well let's let's hold off on elephants for a little bit and then um we had enough people requesting it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and saying what the heck it's been three years and you still haven't done one on elephants and we're like okay yeah (laughs) it's it's about time we do it (laughs) and there's not a lot of people working with elephants so um Mm -hmm. it's probably hard to find someone to be able to to sit down and chat too. Yeah, yeah, that too. The the pandemic has been um uh that that has been a silver lining <laughs> mm-hmm. in the horribleness that is the now is that um people are a lot more free to uh, have conversations and stuff. So yeah. yeah. What is a what does a typical day look like for you in the field? Well, uh, due to the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. I should be in Africa right now, but I am not. Um, where I work is in Kenya, uh, and they are just now uh, reopening their borders. Um, so I hopefully will be have a chance to get back in April or May of next year if everything 
um, is safe and things calm down again. Mm -hmm. um, but a typical day, normally when I'm in the bush, um, you get up with the birds because they're very loud. Um, so there's not a lot of sleeping all day. You're definitely up early. Um, and once you get up and, uh, you know, make sure there's no critters in your house, uh, then you go on for a little breakfast and I usually head out into the field. Um, and for our project, one of the things we're looking at is cataloging the different ele areas and um, elephants in the area. Mm -hmm. um, and we work in the Savo ecosystem of Kenya, which is in the southeastern part. Um, it's home to the, uh, the largest elephant population in Kenya, um, wow. and specifically in the Kasagawa Wildlife Corridor. Um, this is between Savo East and Savo West National Parks. So you have mm -hmm. that population of elephants that move between those two areas of safety uh, through this corridor. So, um, you know, I might wake up, have a little cup of something and walk out the back door and there's an, you know, elephant outside the fence. So, oh, wow. um, but usually once I head out into the field, um, I do stop every time I do see wildlife or, um, especially elephants take pictures uh, for catalogs for them. Um, and then I usually end up uh, working with uh, farms in the community. Um, the, one of the past focuses of our project has been to evaluate different deterrent fences that help mitigate crop rating by elephants. Uh, so we monitored several different types of uh, deterrent methods. And so we go out, we check on those things. If there's been any uh, crop rating throughout the night, uh, we make repairs to fences. We uh, catalog the damage so that we can see exactly how much is occurring. Uh, we make notes and things like that. Um, and then it's usually back for lunch uh, because by that point, you know, in Africa at noon, it's getting, and the equator, it's getting very hot. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to do most of our field work in the morning. Um, and then lots of uh, working on the computer. And then usually we might do a wildlife transect in the afternoon or evening or go out and just try to find elephants to observe and to catalog as well. And then, uh, you know, the, it's, it gets dark. It's pretty much, uh, you know, six to six is when you have daylight uh, in Africa since it's so close to the, the equator. So uh, once dark hits, it's time to uh, get dinner and uh, work on the computer until it's time to go to bed and then uh, get up and repeat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to me, that sounds like Maybe not vacation. Uh, maybe not, that maybe that's a wrong word, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> like that. That sounds like it's just an absolute dream job situation. Does it ever get boring? Um, definitely not boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I hear that a lot. It is. It is a dream job. It is amazing, but it is also very, very tough. I imagine. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I where I stay in the bush is in the bush. So, you know, I may get woken up four times in the night by lion sounds or elephants out back. Um, we do have a protective fence, of course. Um, so there's never a dull moment, you know, you know, getting snakes out of your ceiling, things like that. Um, it's always exciting, but it can also be very, ex you know, exhausting yeah. uh, because it's just constant go, go, go and work and you never know <laughs> when something's going to happen. Um, you know, and the biggest part of research um, I mean, the times that you're in the field is obviously mm -hmm. my favorite and yeah. probably everybody's favorite. Yeah. But the data collection and processing and entry <laughs> is nonstop. So um, most of it is behind the scenes working with data. Um, yeah. A, a lot of it's not those exciting moments when, you know, an elephant walks by and you get to, to take pictures. So yeah. There's a to it. Is there a lot of GIS work? 
Um, I have been doing a lot more GIS work lately um, mm. with, uh, with the cooperating experiments. What we have done is, um, you know, laid everything out. So we actually follow the pathways of elephants as they come through the farms. Um, mm. We also do wildlife transects um, and tree transects. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of working with the GPS to refine locations sure. or to mark where animals have been. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just starting to put a lot of that information into programs like ArcGIS to look at um, where we're starting to see elephant movement, um, how the communities lie. Um, and I'm also working on some projects where um, we try to predict where the hotspots are based off of information from the communities so we can plan where to put the best places to put mitigation fencing. Sure, sure. I, I imagine... It's not, but I'm kind of curious, like, is it hard to find elephants? I mean, they're just so big. I feel like it'd be relatively <laughs> easy, but. Well, let me tell you, they can disappear quickly. <laughs> um, it, they're, they're much easier to see when you're um, at the time of year, which is probably about now, you know, our seasons are reversed, when there's not as much foliage and greenery. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's really easy to spot them, obviously. But when, uh, when the bush is thick, and everything's blooming and all the trees are in bloom, they can disappear in seconds and you won't be able to find them. You can, you can drive right by an elephant if, if it's green enough and not even know it's there. <laughs> and that's, it's really scary at night sometimes when you do that too. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Jurassic Park, the uh, T-Rex yeah, chasing after the... You have a lot of those kind of moments. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, um, what's the craziest or the, or the coolest thing that you've seen while working out in the field? Oh gosh, um, just elephants or all animals? Um, um, anything really. I've gotten to see lions mating before, which was oh. a thing. <laughs> um, on top of a rock, very Lion King style. Um, <laughs> that was a highlight. Um, I mean, gosh, just anytime you're around a herd of elephants, it's mm -hmm. amazing. Um, Probably one of the highlights for me is when you get uh, amongst or near a really large herd of elephants. Yeah. Um, I think the largest herd that I've had the chance to observe um, is like 125 plus. Yeah. Um, they do get much bigger. Uh, wow, but just being amongst all those elephants is just extraordinary. Um, and I've had a few encounters, um, some really close encounters that were unplanned. Uh, which can be terrifying in the moment, but exhilarating once you uh, collect your senses. Um, you know, as I said, the camp that I stay in is protected by an electric fence. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times you kind of forget where you are and you might walk behind your house and there's a six ton elephant standing back there. So um, those encounters are always really interesting. Do you um, like, when there's that many of them, do you feel like, do you feel the, the ground move at all? There's like 125 um, elephants near you, or is that just not a thing? Well, I'm always in a vehicle. And oh, sure. I think I need to make, make clear for the, the viewers, too, is as anytime we're out amongst elephants, we're in a vehicle. So um, that makes sense. Just out there wandering around <laughs> amongst the herds, that's a good way to get killed. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that probably has a lot to do with the seismic vibrations, which I know we're probably going to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I've, I've never actually felt, you know, an elephant herd run by, but there's usually a lot of, um, a lot of commotion because they'll mm -hmm. break branches as they move through the bush. But the surprising thing that people 
always is always um, find is how quiet elephants are. So they have these big, amazing feet and an elephant can walk up right behind you and you would never know it was there. Um, I can't count how many times I've looked down for a second and then looked back up and then there was an elephant nearby. Um, <laughs> unless they're moving through the bush and breaking branches as they go or, or things like that. Yeah. They're, they're very quiet. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing how stealthy they can be. Um, one thing that we, we've been asking all of our guests as of late, um, because we, at the beginning of this year, we started a book club. And so we're wondering, do you have any recommendations for our listeners of, of books to read or possibly for our uh, book club to do as a whole? Uh, yeah, there's, there's several. Um, very, ones that are very elephant specific. Um, I would say there is an amazing account of the Ambicelli Elephants. That's the title of the book. Um, mm-hmm. But Ambicelli um, is, you know, kind of right there on the border of Kenya and Tanzania. And they have had the longest running research project um, on African elephants. Uh, so there's some amazing things to find out uh, in there. Um, and one of the books that inspired me by one of the um, amazing elephant women that's been working in the field for many years was Elephant Memories. Um, and it talks about a lot of the different things that we have been uh, we have been discussing about elephants and how she you know observed these in the wild. So it's a really fascinating account of, of a life with elephants. And that is all for today. Thank you for listening. And uh, be sure to stay tuned for our full episode coming out pretty soon here. Yet to be named, but it's, it's with Len Von Hagen, and it's all about elephants. Peace out, Rainbow Trout. <laughs>